This is the No Stroke Podcast with your co-hosts, David Dancero and Michael Garrow, helping you to support and thrive in life after stroke. Their podcast is designed for educational and community support purposes only and should not replace medical treatment and guidance of your own health professional team. Welcome to episode two of season three of the No Stroke Podcast. My name is Dave Dancero. I'm here with my Big brain guest today for those on the viewing on the on the video cast, Michael Garrow. Mike, describe describe your backdrop for us here, please. Well, I feel um feel pretty pretty radiant at the moment. Uh, so, did a little surprise for David again for the folks who aren't who aren't watching us on YouTube, which I do recommend. Um, I changed my background, you know, a good old early 2020 uh, Zoom trick to change the background there. But I'm using our no no uh, stroke or no stroke podcast logo with the gigantic brain behind me. So, um, yeah, you know, it's I think it suits. It, it I, might stick for season three. We'll see how it moves over the course of you know our, you know the next few seasons we have coming up. But for the I, moment, it. It's like I drank my uh, brain juice today. <laughs> I'm like I I I'm liking it. It's like a surprise around every corner. You know, you I'm you know I'm still I haven't taken the swag off since you sent this gift over. So I just for those listening, I just I have our our uh, no strokes you know podcast sweatshirt on. But we're really we're really bringing the colors into this episode. So we are we have a great guest coming on. And um, before that, um, I just want to you know you know, early in the year here, just a quick touch base for our guests. How are you doing with your, um, your health and fitness and personal goals as we go into week two Put me on the spot, David. Yeah, yeah, so please. Yeah. You know what? It's been a, it's been a rechange of priorities here, you know, what? and that's a nice thing with goal setting. You could always change your goals, but as long as you keep that focus, right. Um, so for me, I moved into a, B, and C is how I'm classifying my goals for the year, you know, and I have hopefully a lot of years left in me so we could get through the alphabet eventually, but mm-hmm. uh, we're going to start here. So A, my goal is to increase my fitness, but also utilize that Apple watch that you've been praising. So get myself on an Apple watch, which I actually get through my employer, which is quite handy. Oh, um, yeah. So going to get set up on that. We're going to we're finding a boxing studio when I get down. So I'm making a move into Meg's where Meg and I are getting a place together in Queens. So once I get that settled, I've already chatted with a good friend who ran a boxing club down that way. Perfect. So he's given me a few recommendations, um, but I have gotten out around here. I uh, got a nice new yoga mat for, um, for my era for Christmas. So utilize that a couple of times, just trying to get the, the habit in, right. You're not, I'm not going to force it every day at this point, but I'm progressing there. Um, and then C is for coding. So I know we talked about curls and coding, you know, Kurt is, that's, that's my second, so, or that's my third. So I think it's something that, you know, really helped me professionally and, you know, help us bring this no stroke podcast logo across the interweb. That's, yes, that's the goal. Perfect. And I can see the coding you've done. Your brain has already expanded there. So you're really going, going big. And I'm proud of you. The Apple Watch, you're not going to regret. Um, yeah, I hope to bring a module to the Enable Us platform. I'm, as you know, 
I've got four out of five family members all now connected to the Apple Watch. In fact, just got a notice that my daughter just finished her circuit and I just sent go. her a little nudge. And it's just we have, um, you know, when you're ready to go and then and that's a great perk. Take advantage of that through your work. If they're going to they're going to offer that perk, take advantage. You won't regret it. So the um, accountability factor, right? You yeah. Know? Yeah, and and it helps really yeah. does drive it. And the an analytics and the things behind it kind of goes to what, what um, you know, when we bring our guest on, um, we talked a little and we talked about, I shared with you, I kind of bought myself along the idea is, you know, personal empowerment and, and having that data to kind of nudge and generate um, more insights into how you're doing or not doing, right? Um, I bought myself a gift in the for the new year. And I think I shared with you, but... Uh, um, it's the cardio, uh, cardio mobile EKG. I had it in my, had it in my, um, shopping cart for a while and I saw it drop right before the holidays. So I made that, that purchase. And, you know, as I've, you know, been pretty public about the fact that I have a, you know, I have a, I have a device in my ticker, right. Uh, something that corrected what caused my stroke. But for me, you know, during the pandemic, it, um, it's hard to get follow-up visits with your cardiologist. And I just wanted to kind of take a little bit more control of gaining some insights about how, how my body's doing. So um, in addition to the watch, um, you know, kind of, you know, in the past, I've, I've mentioned too that I, you know, flashing up this for, <laughs> for the video cast, but I also um, kind of monitor my blood pressure. And again, any, Anyone listening who's had a has a stroke, it's you know certainly something to have an awareness of, especially if you were know you were hypotensive or had had blood pressure. So um, mm-hmm. when we when we get into the the um, the episode today, I think it will um, I think this kind of ties in to our guests. Um, but I did want to maybe just transition quickly to in the news, Mike, um, and announcing and. Um, the fact that um, there's a rehab tech summit coming up in March that I'm, you know, pleased for both of us to announce that we're going to be involved in the, the rehab tech summit this year. Um, they're going to be doing a, a neuro edition in March, and we're going to have one of the coordinators um, of the event come on and talk about the conference because this year, I attended last year as a participant and it was all about how to bring technology into rehabilitation. So, um, you know, um, I think that we'll save the bulk of that for, um, um, for when we bring our guests on and we can give more details, but did you want to add anything, um, regarding that component of the technology conference? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, uh, you know, I know, a few folks, you know, in our network attended last year. Obviously, we're we're close with the co-founder with Lauren, who is you know putting on the event this year. Um, but you know, it's just it's a great event for really the the therapists out there who might be listening, who are trying to make this kind of transition into the digital health space, or or at least understand you know what where this space is moving. Um, and then for, you know, our listeners who might be either caregivers or survivors, um, again, it's a, it's a nice event to follow. Um, they will get into the weeds of the technology and it, it might be a bit dense, but I think, you know, from a patient perspective, it's important to understand the tools and resources that are out there, right? Because, you know, how often do we talk about just that missing 
joint, that missing phase in the, the rehab process of, you know, once you leave that acute phase, once you leave your PT studio, your, your OTs, it's that next chunk where you're trying to maintain and get past, you know, those, those peaks and valleys that, you know, there's some really interesting technology companies coming out that, you know, are, are trying to fill that void. Um, you know, so I think it'll be a nice event. You know, we're obviously very fortunate to be involved in it this year. Um, as David mentioned, we're, we're going to have Lauren on to, to really speak to it in depth, you know, to chat. We, we had one of the speakers on actually as a, as a guest of ours, who was a, a speaker last year, Kate, or, um, yeah, so, you know, we, we were able to, you know, really understand from her point of view, yeah, as an occupational therapist, how the, she made this transition into accessibility and gaming, um, trying to, you know, build devices and, and build programs that work for, folks who you know might have some impairments so yeah it's, and i'll just yeah, yeah. Uh, and i'll just add to that too mike uh, also i met benga adiko who we had on um from the Newgate. um he was also uh, a speaker at last year's conference so it was a very busy event um and the, the second and third parts of the event is going to have the main forum with a lot of their keynotes but they're also going to have the age tech uh, component. They're going to space it out this year. Of course, it is virtual, but they're going to space it out uh, beginning in March, then mid-March for the second main event. And then um, the Age Tech uh, Summit part of it's going to be extended out into April. So a um, lot to cover when we have Lauren on. Um, but let's um, let's let's jump into, would you like to interview, uh, <laughs> would you like to <laughs> uh, uh, give a little, um, um, you know, intro to our guests for this week yeah absolutely so we were joined by sandra saldana who is the ceo and co-founder of alba health so alba health is a startup based uh, in new haven connecticut and they actually they spun out of yale new university so sandra and i Again, kind of going back to my Health Excel days, um, we were doing, we we're putting on an event down in Pittsburgh with um, oh, who? It's one of the farmers down in Pittsburgh. Anyway, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but we were looking for, you know, some innovative East Coast companies, uh, really in the device space, um, particularly. So wearables. Um, and as I was doing some market research, this early stage startup out of Yale kind of came into the radar. Um, again, they were quite under the radar, didn't really have much release, but said that they were building a device within stroke uh, detection, which obviously caught my eye. Um, so we actually had her down to the event. Um, you know, she had quite a successful pitch and there was good feedback from what I remember, but again, they were very early stage. Um, and over the years, so that was probably back in 2016, 20, or it could have been a bit later, 2016, 2017. Um, and since then, you know, they've gained a lot of momentum. Um, they've just actually, in the past few months, they won a startup competition out in LA. Um, out of, I think there was over 3,000 startups that attended this event, and they were kind of, they, they won the entire event. It was uh, the MedTech Innovator Awards out in LA, which is a big one, you know. Yeah. Um, so what they're 
what they're building is a wearable um, for stroke survivors, anywhere from a small TIA to a full-blown uh, hemorrhagic or ischemic stroke, um, really targeted at secondary prevention. Um, so it's a small device that kind of fits, you know, similar to a Fitbit or Apple Watch, just like we were saying. Um, and you know, they're they're now trying to really get the momentum, get some funding behind them, um, and and get this into the market. Because right? what they've been able to do, and you know, as we've seen a lot of these successful startups, you know, in digital health do, is focus on the cl- clinical evidence first. Um, so they you know, and obviously within this space, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine that there wasn't someone in first. And I, because I think she mentioned along the way, as she was presenting this, so many people are like, well, how do you, what do you mean? There's no competition? What do you mean? No one has done this before. Um, But really, they were able to kind of take the common biomarkers for stroke. And as you see in the media, and as many of our listeners, I'm sure know, it's that face drop, you know, arm tension, um, speech impairment, um, and kind of start to one by one take those biomarkers and, and feedback. I think they've started with with the arm, you know, the arm tension, and be able to kind of measure that um, as as an indicator of a possible stroke. So it's super super fascinating. Um, you know, I think this device wearable spaces in the digital health market is really going to blow up here in the next few years. Um, as we already seen what Apple could do, um, and mm-hmm. you know that may or may not be their end play is to kind of tap their technology into <laughs> Apple. She, Sandra didn't give us that juicy stuff, but you know we could only imagine kind of where they're going with things. So yeah, yeah as David said, I think it's you know it's a really interesting conversation. Um, you know we learned a lot about uh, Sandra's upbringing, kind of what what got her into Yale. Um, she didn't really imagine she'd be here, um, but you know, now leading a very innovative company that is, is in my back door. And I know we said just short down, we can meet in the middle of 95, meet in New Haven yeah. one day, you know, see once they've kind of gotten to that next scale. Um, but yeah, it's a, yeah. it was an exciting interview. So, yeah. And I'll just add to that, Mike, that, it, you know, it was interesting all the parallels with their startup going through the iCar program. You could tell this interview, she's, she, you know, this is the reason they won all those awards. She knows her stuff. Like she knew the pain points she knew, you know, uh, and her magic wand answer is probably one of our top. For me, it's like one of the top three for sure, because, you know, she knows, you know, we, you know, it's like, yes, amen. We've been like, yep, we know stroke coordination care is fragmented, disconnected, all those words. And in solving that, I think her product and her technology can be part of that whole package in terms of, you know, empowering the patient as we talked at the beginning of this intro. So, I think we've uh, I think we've teed it up pretty pretty nicely. Thank you, Mike. Um, let's, yeah, um, absolutely. Let's 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 uh, let's join the, the yeah. Let's get board. in it. And and before that, um, let's. Uh, so we're excited as we mentioned in our previous episode. We're going to have some repeat guests on. So you know, if for the listeners next week, um, it's going to be a really exciting interview with uh, Carolyn Goggin, who's actually going to be joined by her husband Travis. Um, they have some exciting announcements coming up, really fits into this new year, um, you know, goal setting theme. So again, really looking forward to that one. And, you know, this, uh, if you do enjoy this episode, if you enjoy actually listening to us as well, give us a like, give us a subscribe, share with anyone that, you know, might be in your, your you know, network that could enjoy listening to us as well, somehow. I, I, don't, I don't know how they do okay. it, David, genuinely. I- 
genuine. Well, like, now that now that we have a big brain on the team, uh, well, we're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I would have forgot about Caroline to the transition for the for the. Uh, you're always thinking ahead, Mike, and now that you're empowered with your gigantic. There's some good detail on that brain too. You have to get it. it it's your logo, man. Your artwork. Yeah. So yeah. So we'll let's uh, let's get into it. Without further ado, Sandra Selman, from CEO and co-founder of Elva Health. Thanks, Perfect. y'all. Hi, right, welcome, Sandra, to the No Stroke Podcast. We're super excited to have you on tonight. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I think so. We were chatting before we started the recording that yeah, you and I we've been the you know LinkedIn connections in that world as as you go, but um, we we've been connected probably now for about over five years. Um, kind of goes back to my days with Health Excel and early with you with Alva Health. Um, you know, I think what stuck out to me, I'm a Connecticut native. I saw you know this super interesting project coming out of Yale. Um, and, you know, it's taken some legs now, you know, you, you've really grown and you've gotten to a pretty interesting place, you know, so we're, so we're really looking forward to digging into it today um, and really understanding, you know, the mission and, and where you guys are going um, as, a, as a company and, you know, to, to aid this stroke population that, you know, as David and I have interviewed and spoken about and we're super passionate about, you know, looking to aid it, it's a, it's an underserved population. So first off, congratulations for the amazing work. I'm, I'm sure it has been a lot, a lot uh, to, you know, to get to this point. Um, but for our, our listeners, can, can you give us a, a brief recap of, you know, who, who Sandra is, where, where you grew up, how you've kind of gotten to Connecticut and now made the, the next move down South. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for, for that intro. Um, and I'm, I'm super excited to be here today. Um, and I appreciate that you reached out to me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, we've been in touch for a while and things have changed quite a bit since we started, um, you know, back in 2017. And it's been, it's been a long road to get here, but um, we, you know, we think uh, we're getting some good traction and we're excited to to bring this product forward. Um, but I guess just to start off, um, I was born in Monterey, Mexico. Uh, so I, I um, you know, moved to the U.S. when I was 12 years old and grew up um, in Texas. Uh, I mean, middle school, high school down in Houston. Um, and then I um, went to school uh, up in upstate New York at Cornell. Um, I did some, you know, that's where I got started with doing uh, research and, and, you know, got really deep into sciences and, and um also, you know, got interested in business as well. Um, and my family has a bit of a history with business. My dad was a professor at the University of Houston. And, you know, I always kind of had this idea. I wanted to start a business um, that was technology science based um, in some way. So that was, you know, it started pretty early on. Um, after my undergrad, I went back to to do a PhD in cancer biology at MD Anderson Cancer Center back in Houston. And then uh, after that um, is when I decided to move into industry. Um, and I moved up to Boston um, and spent about four or five years doing um, B2B sales um, for a boutique branding agency in the um, pharmaceutical and med device industry. So um, that was kind of my first introduction into uh, executives and, and, you know, folks who are building these uh, really exciting technology companies and leading the companies. And it, it kind of humanized that for me and, and you know, 
um, exposed me to that process. And that's where I got, you know, really excited about, um, about starting a business, you know, it kind of gave me that, that bug, you know, like I, I, I should start a business soon. And so um, I decided to go back to school and, and do more, uh, you know, uh, always starting from from the education, right? So so learning the the didactics of it, I wanted to get a, a basis for business uh, foundation. So I went to the Yale School of Management uh, for the executive MBA program um, while I was working. Um, and and through that, I, I met my two co-founders um, who at the time had just filed IP um, for for our technology um, back in 2016. Um, and, uh, you know, they were looking for a business, uh, student to help them, uh, look through the, you know, evaluate the commercialization potential of the technology, um, which is for real time stroke detection using wearable devices. So, um, that's kind of a long, uh, roundabout story. You know, I've been kind of, it hasn't been a straight line, but, um, but I think, uh, all of those experiences kind of, um, coalesce in a nice way and, and give me, um, you know, a lot of different perspectives to bring into entrepreneurship. That's great. Thank you. It, it's always um, interesting hearing founder stories and their, where, where they came from and, and their path to where they, they are today. And so you're, um, for, for our listeners, um, could you describe what the, 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 the product may be in a few sentences in the platform that you have around stroke detection yeah, absolutely. So we um, are using wearable devices. Uh, so it's two wristbands containing sensors that are, you know, they're worn on both wrists. Um, and then there's a smartphone app and cloud-based monitoring uh, using machine learning and non-machine learning algorithms to uh, detect the onset of hemiparesis, which is one of the hallmarks of stroke onset. Um, so this is one-sided paralysis that is one of the you know, one of the major symptoms, um, it doesn't happen to everybody, um, but we think around 90% of patients have some kind of motor physical disability associated with stroke. And that's where we're starting. Um, and so we, we look for the onset of this phenomenon and then immediately notify the user. If they don't respond within two minutes, we escalate uh, the call to a trained medical responder who can call 911 and then notify the user's emergency contacts um, so that the patient can, uh, you know, receive medical attention immediately, get to the hospital within the time windows uh, in which they qualify to and, and can benefit from the available proven therapies, um, whether that's TPA, the clot buster that can dissolve, um, you know, the ischemic strokes or mechanical thrombectomy, which is um, an approach that, you know, works for about 12% of patients. Um, so that's our goal. Uh, we're using a wearable, it's lightweight, um, you know, water resistant, comfortable to wear around the clock. Um, and initially um, the product will be uh, applied to um, a specific population of patients who are uh, thought to be an imminent risk of a stroke. Um, so initially that'll be um, TIA patients um, as well as stroke survivors. Thank you. Um, are, there, um, are there particular conditions, maybe the higher risk, like patients maybe that are detected to have AFib that are, would be I, maybe a, can, a, a candidate for monitoring using your technology? 
Yeah. So, so there's actually, um, you know, one in four people over the age of 25 have a risk factor for stroke, which is unbeknownst to many people. Um, and that's due to conditions like hypertension, type two diabetes, atrial fibrillation, um, and, you know, obesity, smoking, a lot of conditions. Um, you know, some people are undergoing, uh, procedures in the hospital that place them at high risk of stroke, uh, you know, any catheter based procedures, um, you know, that can place someone at high risk of a stroke. And so there really is a, a huge number of people out there who have some kind of determinant that uh, places them at higher risk. Um, and, and our hope is to, you know, prove the concept in these imminent risk patients and this acute population, but then expand our service out to a broader group of people that consists of folks who haven't had a stroke yet, who haven't had this ability, but they're not, you know, they're, they're at risk as well. It's really fascinating. Um, and bring us back to um, your time when you were in, in, in school, still finishing your MBA and these two co-students of yours walked up and said, Hey, Sandra, I have an idea. Um, what, what kind of, where was that at in 2017 to kind of where you are today? Like bring us on that product journey. Yeah, no, uh, sure. So, so my co-founders to clarify that they are, um, both faculty at the time and still, still, um, they're on the faculty at the Yale school of medicine. Um, so I met them through the entrepreneurial network at Yale. Um, so I, I was originally looking at a different technology. You know, I went into school with this goal of, you know, finding a technology that was exciting and, you know, had a high promise of commercial impact and, and you know, patient impact. Um, and so I was working on another diagnostic at the time, but through that network, uh, I was connected to them. Um, and so, you know, we started informally meeting uh, you know, trying to understand what the technology is, what's the vision for the product and what does the market look like? You know, is this a problem that affects a lot of people? You know, what's the clinical need? Um, can we uh, create IP? Is, is the IP protectable? And, and it, you know, could we get this patent granted? And um, we, we now this year, you know, after all those years, we finally got our core patent granted. Um, in, you know, in 2021. Um, so that was, um, you know, something that we looked at at the time. Um, and in 2017, um, we were accepted into the Yale Entrepreneurial Institute Summer Fellowship, um, which is how we started. Officially, you know, we created a company, we participated in that accelerator program. So that was our first formal, you know, business incubator um, type activity that we did. Um, and that's really where it started. Um, we, um, you know, the first couple of years were, uh, were mostly spent um, on the product side, at least uh, doing clinical research. You know, we had a lot of questions around, you know, can we actually use wearable sensors to get a signal? Can, could we create algorithms that can classify wearables data into, you know, normal versus stroke, you know? Um, and so we started with off the shelf you know, devices, we looked at a lot of different types. Um, and um, so we, we spent a lot of the time doing clinical research. Um, we also um, participated in other, in another program that was really, um, I would say foundational, um, which was NSF I-Corps. 
Um, so that's the, the National Science Foundation has this program called I-Corps that um, kind of gets you out of the building, go out and, you know, to go out and, and uh, interview stakeholders to understand the landscape and try to understand, you know, where exactly your product fits in, um, in this, in the stroke patient's journey or like, who's going to be your customer. Um, and I thought, I think that that's really, I can't speak highly enough about that program because it really was eye-opening in terms of helping us determine like who actually benefits from this, from this product. Um, and, um, yeah, so, so, you know, we, we worked on the clinical side and the commercial side. Um, and then in 2019, um, that's when we finally, you know, were received some, some financial support um, to build this, this product. Um, so that was in uh, summer of 2019, we received two phase one SBIR grants. One of them was from National Science Foundation and the National Institutes of Health. Um, that was the second grant. Um, and so with that funding, um, we, we built our initial prototype. Um, you know, we, we, we had done enough work clinically where we felt confident, okay, we can actually build algorithms that can detect, um, that can, you know, classify the data and, and, and be able to make that call, whether it's stroke or not. And um, so we decided to build our own form factor at that point because um, what we found is that the off-the-shelf solutions that were out there, you know, the other wearables, um, whether they're research only or commercially available, um, just don't have the capability to monitor patients long-term. Um, and, and, you know, the, some of them are, you know, the, they're either have too many sensors or not enough sensors or, um, or they're not comfortable for around the clock or, you know, they're not stable enough um, to collect data. That you need, um, and and they're not really like amenable for long term monitoring. So that's where we, you know, we decided let's build our own, um, and uh, so that's what we've done over the last couple couple of years. Uh, done a lot of work around hardware and then firmware as well. Um, and now, um, you know, this year we've we've had quite a bit of um, success in terms of you know traction with. Uh, um, competitions, you know, pitch competitions. We've won uh, the Longevity Innovation Summit uh, business plan competition, um, you know, in, in the aging uh, in place community. Um, there, you know, there's a lot of interest in, in what we're building. Um, we also went through MedTech Innovator, which is the, the largest accelerator for MedTech companies in the world. Um, there were 1,100 applicants in that program and um, we, we ended up coming out with the grand prize of $350,000. So that was really exciting. Um, we also participated in um, Techstars Los Angeles and, um, and plug and play ventures, um, health tech and uh, mass medic uh, ignite up in Boston. So, you know, we've done a ton of um, programs this year. And the, the reason is that, you know, we're, we're now kind of accelerating We're we're moving towards the next phase. Um, and, and that's going to involve, um, you know, us doing our clinical validation study, um, building the next phase um, of our product, um, and then going to talk to the FDA. So, so we've gotten a, a lot of, um, you know, great advisors on board um, and a lot of mentors who, who are helping us kind of think, think through these next um, uh, steps and, and, and helping us, uh, you know, craft a, the, the path forward. You've, you've certainly been busy and then, and, and you're uh, kind of going back to your early discovery when you were 
Um, like you mentioned the value of the I-Course program and getting out of the building and talking. When you, when you were interviewing your patient population, did you, did you get feedback around how, um, how, how patients would feel about wearing devices? It, because if you're gonna pick up, detect 24 hours a day, that's gonna be kind of on 24 seven, right? And I guess more specifically a question around, there's a certain subset of stroke um, that happens, they call wake up stroke that is, you know, ischemic usually in nature, but is like it describes, wake first out of bed, waking up. Um, oftentimes patient will describe that, that, that that's the time that they don't, sometimes if the symptoms are subtle, they just think they're groggy, they think they're, you know, they dismiss it and that's the category I fell under and kind of what I did. Um, is it, are patients, were they receptive to wearing something in bed to in, in throughout the day to get that peace of mind, I guess, of having um, the support that would detect? Yeah, I mean, that that's one of the one of the main questions we get from patients and from caregivers, you know, it's, it's like, is your product going to work at night? Because um, that's, that's one of the times that people are scared of, you know, when, when that can happen, and you know, you have no idea you're sleeping. So, um, and that's, that's something that we, um, we, ca so um, we can detect it at night. Um, so that's one of the things that we want to make sure that we provide as part of this service, um, because stroke can happen at any time of the day. Um, wake up strokes account for about 14% of stroke patients. Um, and uh, we did observe um, a stroke in our study um, that happened at night. Uh, we actually had a patient who came in um, and was treated uh, with mechanical thrombectomy and she was recovering from that procedure and then had another stroke during the, that night um, and uh, was discovered the next morning at 7 a.m. unconscious. When we went back and looked at the wearables data, we found some anomalies happening around 11 p.m. Um, our algorithm would have made a call around 1.30 in the morning and you know, alerted um, the, the patient at that time. But um, you know, unfortunately this happens, you know, like you were saying, um, it's, it's common. Um, and, um, and that's something that people are concerned about. Um, but ultimately what we found from, from the patients, from those conversations with stroke survivors and their caregivers um, is that, you know, patients are not as, as worried about the, you know, the device itself, you know, they, they of course want it to be um, lightweight and comfortable and, and, you know, they don't want it to look like, you know, a medical device. They don't want to look sick. They don't want to look like, you know, something's wrong. Um, but they're, you know, people want this, people want that peace of mind. Um, I've, I've heard stories from, you know, patients who, you know, one guy, um, told me that his, after his stroke, you know, his wife is, you know, pretty much on high alert around the clock. Um, so, you know, if, if he's, you know, giving a lecture or, you know, doing something, if he's busy, if he doesn't pick up the phone, she starts to get very worried. And at nighttime, you know, you can't get up in the middle of the night and then, you know, everybody wakes up because everybody's worried something's wrong. So it, it's, um, it's something that people, people definitely are worried about. And they, they kind of, once you've had a stroke, um, you know, you kind of, you've seen 
what could happen and you have that top of mind. So I think that that peace of mind is something that people really look for. Um, so that's what, that's what we think our product can, can offer patients. That's great. And, you know, it, it's that, you know, those interviews have to be so valuable to you, you know, as you're continuing to, to iterate on the product. Um, I was curious, you know, you see a lot of these wearables coming in. Most are, are wrist worn, correct? Um, some are worn higher up on the arms. Some are, you know, develop like there's different ways that, you know, these wearables can detect. Um, first off, like where in, on the body is, would be your wearable be placed? And then secondly, um, when you, we're looking at biomarkers, like what is it? What are the top things that you're looking for? Yeah. yeah sure so um the the wristbands are you know they're, they're wristbands so we they're worn on the <laughs> around the wrists um you know it doesn't have to be right on the same spot like it can move around it can be kind of loose around the wrist um but that's kind of how we're we see it um part of it is is due to that you know that functionality and that ability to embed into people's lives as they currently live so we don't want it to look like a medical device and like something that's, you know, kind of um, medical necessarily. So we, what we envision is, is something that looks like a, a lift strong bracelet uh, around the outside. Um, so, you know, very discreet, very lightweight um, and, and it's worn around the wrist where, you know, people are used to wearing things. Um, and so it's not disruptive from that perspective. Um, and what we're looking for is, um, you know, as I mentioned, so hemiparesis, which essentially involves disability that is one-sided. Um, so we're looking for, you know, movement signatures. We're looking at um, asymmetrical disability. Um, we're looking at, um, you know, the the the, um, the disability that happens on on one side of the body, essentially. So so it's movement, um, and and we're. We're looking at um, not just the asymmetry, but also a personalized signature. So the second half of our of our analysis um, is personalized um, from the standpoint that we create a, a um, personalized movement signature for each individual. Um, and there are patterns that kind of repeat over time. There's a 24-hour cycle. There's a seven-day cycle. There's a 30-day cycle. And and um, the algorithm learns from that individual's patterns. Um, and they can detect when there are deviations from the norm and take that into account. Um, you know, and, and, and if it notices that something is anomalous, that this patient typically doesn't, um, you know, behave in this way, then we, we can take that into account and make our algorithm even more, um, more specific. So that's, that's how it works. Uh, we're looking at movement signatures. In the future, we'd like to embed other things like, um, you know, speech and, and face, facial recognition. Um, but, um, you know, initially we're, we're just focusing on, on that physical disability. Interesting. You, you mentioned Sandra that, um, your, your technology gives the care family member, care, caregiver peace of mind. So they maybe can reduce the number of check-ins or just have the ability to kind of give that, um, that person a little bit more independence. Um, have you observed or noticed on the other side for the user that it also maybe makes them feel like they can increase their mobility? Does it reduce their fear? Have you, have you with you mentioning you've been able to track certain metrics, are users actually more active 
because they are now being monitored? Because I'm just curious as a, you know, from a physical therapy standpoint, that's one of the things when I'm working with fiber, they're almost fearful that there could do something wrong by being more active. Um, well, that's, that's a great question. Um, and I think we haven't studied that yet, um, but we have a study coming up next year um, in which we'll be taking a look at things like that. Um, so we'll be deploying our devices in a high-risk population. We're going to be observing strokes happening in people's homes. And, and um, so these are all going to be patients who've already had a stroke and they've kind of gone through this process and now they're at risk. Um, so, so it'll be interesting to see if we see, you know, if we notice um, that there are, there are, you know, feedback from the, from the patients is something we, we plan to, you know, to, to get input from the patients, you know, how did you feel wearing this device? Um, did you feel more comfortable, more confident? Did you have, you know, you know, on a scale from one to 10, like how, you know, how worried are you about, you know, the, the, side effects of a, of a potential additional stroke recurrence, you know, things of that nature. Um, those are all things that we, we want to test in this study. Um, in addition to, you know, to the algorithm side of things, you know, the, the user experience. Yeah. It'd be very interesting to observe that empowerment or engagement component to it. And in, in addition to the risk reduction and the obvious, you know, the line of defense you provide. So interesting. Yeah. Um, I was curious, you know, you, you also mentioned in that initial phase with I-Corps and, you know, you, you went out into the real world and you were interviewing both patients, but also potential um, customers. What, what did that customer group look like? I mean, what are you guys targeting? Would this be a direct to consumer where a stroke survivor would actually need to purchase this device? Um, or would it be something that in the ideal world would be reimbursed? Yeah, so so that's one of the questions that we asked um, during ICOR. Um, you know, is this some, you know, is this something that customers would be willing to to buy? Um, and we did get a really positive feedback from the patients themselves and their caregivers. Um, the caregivers is what we we found. Um, they're very motivated because they're, you know, they're the ones that are being affected ultimately. You know, providing care. Some of them are dropping out of the workforce to to take care of their loved ones. Um, and so. Um, we did receive a lot of, you know, uh, I guess, uh, opinions and, and, and thoughts around that, you know, people really would be willing to pay for this out of pocket. Um, but there's also kind of a, you know, a limit to how much people can, can afford. Um, and, and there, you know, not every patient segment is able to afford something like this out of pocket. Um, you know, a lot of people struggle with uh, with access to health insurance or not health insurance, sorry, um, but you know, access to 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 healthcare. Um, and, and so, you know, um, it's not necessarily that you know that we could address um, as many people um, by making it direct to consumer. And so, um, we also spoke with a lot of insurance companies and uh, you know, folks in the in the you know, payment reimbursement space um, who, who believe that this product could be traditionally um, reimbursed by insurance companies. There is a specific, um, you know, there is a value already associated with early detection. There are proven therapies in stroke. Um, it's a very unique space because um, it's not just, you know, monitoring for the sake of monitoring, but it's monitoring to connect patients to a, a therapy that's already proven to be effective. There's a lot of data around 
the, um, you know, better patient outcomes, better, um, you know, lower cost of care, you know, shorter hospital stays, shorter length of rehab when patients get to the hospital quickly and receive treatment. So um, that, that part of the equation has already been well-established. Um, TPA has been around for almost 25, 25 years, and um, it's still underutilized despite its efficacy. So, so that's where we found, you know, the, the biggest value proposition was in, in, in increasing the utilization of these therapies that are proven to be, to be effective um, and, and then providing, you know, passing on that cost savings to the insurance companies. Um, and, and, you know, in turn, we will be affecting as many people as we can. Um, and, and we think that that's the most scalable way um, and and the the best way to get to as many people as possible. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And you know, and as you were talking, I, I was only thinking about you know a, a product that is um, it's called the Live Core. Um, it's a they have a cardiogram and for you know EKG conduct um, detection, and you know it's available in store. You can get it for like sixty nine dollars over the counter. Pairs with an app, and again, it's that peace of mind. And it tracks your AFib and kind of gives you that extra level of protection. Um, so I think, you know, the challenge for you guys is going to be, all right, what's that price matter? Like, how do we create a, a device that's able to track these symptoms and give that peace of mind at a price level that can't, can be direct to consumer? Because I, I think you're right, like that ultimate impact is going to be in that D2C, but blended in with, you know, some support on a reimbursement angle. But I think it's it's funny, you know, David and I, we've had many chats and we just had a, um, yeah, actually David's neurologist and you know, a close friend of ours now from Tufts Medical Center, who's had neurologist kind of leading a lot of stuff in this acute phase and secondary prevention, um, you know, and I asked him a similar question and say, like, all right, if we're doing anything in this space, right, all around kind of getting that patient back to where the, that life that they've, that they came in prior to a stroke does any of that matter if that reimbursement isn't there? Um, so it's great to hear that, you know, in that research and in those conversations with insurers that, you know, they they saw this as a potential reimbursement model because you're you're right, you know, there's that there's that treatment there. And if you could get them there quicker and eliminate costs on the other end of not catching it, it's a good model for them. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and we're lucky, I mean, not lucky, but, um, you know, there are very straightforward ways to measure that efficacy and to measure that cost savings. Um, and and it's, it's all been well established. So it's just a matter of doing the work and getting, getting that data um, and demonstrating to, to payers that this is worthwhile. Um, and I, I think most, most, most of them would agree that this is a, a kind of a no brainer, you know, it's, it's everybody wins. Do you have Do you have any competition in your space right now for for your with your device? Um, so so in um, there are a few you know folks um, working on uh, different approaches um, to stroke detection in real time. You know when we started there was nobody, <laughs> um, so we we uh, we had we got that question a lot. You know why hasn't anybody done this before, and why are you the only ones doing this and um, so it, it's, uh, it was really challenging at first, um, because, you know, it seemed almost like too good to be true. You know, if you could just use wearables for stroke detection, you know, somebody would have come up with it by now. Um, but now, you know, we're fortunate that there are, there are others now who have taken interest in this problem. 
Um, and uh, so, you know, it's uh, there's different approaches out there. Um, and, uh, and I think what differentiates us um, from, from others who are working on this issue is that our solution is, is being developed specifically um, to serve that at home, remote, continuous remote monitoring, um, you know, around the clock during that high risk window. Um, so our solution is unique because it, you know, it works around the clock. We're not, we're not um, asking patients to, you know, fumble around with rechargeable batteries and, and uh, you know, having to, to replace, um, you know, replace batteries or replace devices frequently. Our, our goal is to, to create a seamless solution that is lightweight and, and very friendly for the user, requires no medical training to operate. Um, so, so essentially, um, you know, we're targeting for the battery life to last an entire 90 days, which is the, the monitoring window. Um, we, um, you know, we're making the form factor as attractive as possible and as, a, as, as comfortable as possible for patients. Um, and we're really, you know, taking that user-centered approach, um, you know, um, designing with the, with the patient and the caregiver in mind and making this a product that's really um, embeds into people's lives as they live. So it's not, it's not, you know, something that's, you know, complicated and needs medical training or specialized knowledge to, to operate. So I think that that's, that's what makes us different. Um, we're, you know, we're really taking that, um, that approach of, you know, the patient comes first and, and, um, and I think, uh, we're, we're pretty, um, we have a good lead, um, on, you know, on, on others who are, who are also addressing this issue and, we're pretty um, pretty excited about our, our prospects. Apparently, all the accelerators are as well. I mean, you're uh, <laughs> quite accomplished. So you know, well done. Um, so, for, you spoke briefly to some of the clinical trials that you'll be looking at soon, um, and you know, before you get on the CVS and Walgreens shelves for for you know survivors to be able to use. Is there a way that a survivor today listening to the show could contact or be involved in any of these upcoming clinical trials? Um, yes, uh, absolutely. So they can contact, um, you know, we, we don't have um, a, a dedicated part of our website for the upcoming study yet, but, but that will be um, coming up soon. Um, so in the beginning of, of next year, we'll, you know, we'll have a page, you know, with some information on how, how to, um, sign up for our study. Um, so we're going to be launching a study um, in the uh, middle of next year, um, and we'll be looking for stroke survivors. Um, you know, in, in this particular study, TIAs and, and stroke survivor um, specifically. But uh, we're also always looking for for healthy volunteers and and people who um, you know who just want to volunteer um, in, in the the non-stroke arm of the study, uh, which, which is, you know, it's ongoing. Um, currently we work through Yale University. Um, so that's where we do all of our patient recruitment, um, but we can do it over the internet as well um, through our team there. And, uh, and we'll be bringing some of those capabilities in-house as well um, soon. So, so they can contact us, you know, through our website, there's a contact, you know, how to contact us um, page. Um, they can, you know, send me a LinkedIn message or a, um, I'm also on Twitter. Um, I don't know if there's a, a way for you to share that, that yeah. information maybe yeah, in, the, we'll, in the show notes. Yeah. We'll absolutely put all that information and we'd like, look forward to helping you recruit for your, you know, going into next year. 
Um, so absolutely. Um, do you have uh, one question kind of along those lines too? Um, do you see as you grow, um, continue to have an engagement, like a, a, a patient advisory or a way to keep, um, keep that patient perspective in mind? You talked early on how that was important. And as you evolve and maybe add new components to your product line, um, do you see the patients being able to maybe um, take a role there as well and maybe an advisory level? Yes, absolutely. We're, we're always looking for, um, you know, for patient engagement. Um, we have some folks uh, in our network informally who kind of, you know, we bounce ideas back and forth with, um, but uh, we're always looking for, for, you know, for advisory from, from the, the end, you know, the end users um, and their family members as well. So um, happy to, to welcome that kind of engagement um, and have, have more conversations of that nature. Great. Well, we're at the point where Mike likes to wield his magic wand. So go ahead, Mike. <laughs> All right. So last question that everyone on our podcast gets is if we were to hand you a magic wand, how would you redesign the stroke care pathway? So, um, so that's a great question. And, uh, and I think, Going back to to the NSF ICOR, um, where we we had an opportunity to to really look at the landscape and and all of the different stakeholders along the stroke patient's journey, and what really struck me was how fragmented it is currently. Um, how you know each part of the stroke patient's journey is kind of in its own world, um, and there's not a lot of connection. It's not very streamlined. Um, you know, how the patient goes from, from the home to the ambulance, to the hospital, you know, go, going through treatment and then back through rehab and, you know, back home. There's, you know, there's, there's not a lot of continuity of care. Um, once a patient is diagnosed with a stroke, um, you know, a lot of the times they lose touch with the neurologist who treated them. Um, they lose track of, you know, hospitals lose track of these patients and they, there's no continuity in, in, in most cases. Um, so if I could wield a magic wand, I would, I would centralize, I would, you know, centralize the care for, for people at high risk of stroke um, in, in a way that, you know, all of those services are kind of contained in one, in one place. And you, you have a team of people that's like assigned to each individual patient. And, you know, that you have all the experts who are, who are taking a look at that individual um, at that person as an individual, not just another, you know, stroke patient, but they're looking at their lifestyle. They're looking at their, you know, their medications. They're looking at um, their specific rehab journey. Their, you know, their specific risk for recurrent stroke, and you know, tailoring care for that individual. Um, so similar, this is a similar concept to what what is done currently in in cancer, uh, where you know, I came, I did my PhD in cancer biology. Uh, at MD Anderson. And, and um, at the time when I was there, um, there was this talk, you know, a lot of the focus was on personalized medicine, right? So there's, you know, the, the, all of these personalized, um, um, you know, uh, therapies that, that, um, that are personalized um, to that patient's tumor type, um, you know, where each breast cancer patient is, is, you know, could be completely different from the next breast cancer patient. So what they did there was, you know, put together a you know, a, a, a subset of, of experts who, you know, looked at the tumor from all angles, from the immunology side, from the, you know, from the, um, 
from the basic, you know, biology side and, and, and kind of tried to come up with a plan for each individual's care. Um, so, so something similar, but for, for stroke patients, because each patient is different and each patient, you know, um, has different risk factors and, and different ways in which you could prevent a recurrence of stroke. So that's, that's what I would do. I think I, I might say, David, that was one of the top, top three yes. answers we've Very. heard. <laughs> I would spot, say that, yeah. spot on. And we all need to charge our magic wands because we're, <laughs> we're, we're on that same mission. So um, really well done. I mean, um, I couldn't think of a better way to close out the show because that's kind of why, why we're here um, reaching out to individuals like yourself and companies and stroke survivors to share their stories, but also to let folks know that there, there is a solution. Um, we're, we're just in a lot of pieces right now. I don't, and I, and it's, you know, um, we have to, we have to, um, work hard to, to, to make that, that not be the norm and, and maybe the exception in rare cases, but unfortunately right now it is still the norm in stroke care. Well, you're certainly doing your part, Sandra and, and the rest of the team at Alba Health, you know, best, we wish you the best of luck. Um, you know, it's been an amazing journey so far and, you know, we could only hope your, the 2030 vision, you know, come, comes to life for you. So it'll, it'll be a fun one. And, you know, I, I would love to, you know, if you do have time in, if you're back up in the New Haven area and want to grab a coffee, chat, I would, I would love to, you know, sit down and, and actually meet you face to face and, and really learn more. So, yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, I'll be, I'll be there in early, uh, early next year, 2022. So I'll, I'll definitely look you up. Awesome. We'll, we'll get together. Cool. Thank you, Sandra. <laughs> All right, Sandra, it's been brilliant. Enjoy your, the rest of your evening and the warm Dallas weather. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity. Absolutely. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the No Stroke Podcast. Be sure to tune in each week for more knowledge on stroke recovery in the brain with tips, technology, and interesting stroke thriver interviews where they share their success to enable you on your own healing journey. Make sure to hit the follow button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our show. Mike and I will love to ask you to rate and review our show to enable us to grow our audience. Please check the show notes to follow us on social so you can connect and reach out to find more about advertising with us or becoming a guest on our show. Until next time, stay well, keep the faith, and keep moving forward.